Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our New Nature series, which talks about what the fruit of the Spirit should look like in the daily life of the believer. We hope that this message will be a blessing to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. All right, let's open our Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, get right into the message and... uh, Pastor and them are back on the road and doing well, but we thank the Lord for uh, some help. Dustin went over and helped him out over there and appreciate him uh, going over there and catching up with them and taking care of that problem. And uh, they're back on schedule. Well, a little behind schedule, but they'll do just fine. Galatians chapter 5. Pastor asked me to kind of begin this uh, series, and it's going to be a little different message tonight. I'm going to have you help me a little bit. Uh, as we talk about the new nature. Uh, The moment you and I trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, the Bible is very clear that we were born into the family of God. Jesus said, marvel not that I say unto you, you must be what? Born again. Help me out. You must be what? Born again. Born again. That means we need to be saved, okay? Trust Jesus Christ as our Savior. And the moment that happens, the moment we truly, from our heart, confess the Lord Jesus Christ as a Savior and ask Him to forgive our sins and uh, to save us, the moment that happens, the Holy Spirit of God moves in. And so the Bible teaches us now that now we have a new nature. The old nature is passed away. Behold, all things are become new, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And see, yeah, we look around, and if you're like me, we look around, we say, well, there's some things that haven't become new yet. And uh, we recognize that, you know, we're still living in this old body. We're still living in this nasty now and now world. And there's some things that just don't seem new to us. But what the Bible is referring to is that nature. We don't have the old nature anymore. Things are changed on the inside. And uh, the things that used to have a great appeal to us now, those things begin to wane away, and now we begin to have a greater appeal for the things of God. Before you were saved, maybe uh, you didn't care anything about reading the Bible. But after you got saved, all of a sudden you began to get an interest in the Word of God. Before you were saved, you could care less about church and all that kind of stuff. And after you're saved, now church has become a vital part of your life. And uh, there's some, just a whole myriad of things that we can go through that we say, well, before I was saved, had no interest in those things. But now since I've trusted Christ, since the Holy Spirit has moved into my life, now some things have changed. And now I have some desires for godly things that I didn't have before. And some of the things I used to do and used to be involved in, I, I really don't want to be involved in those things anymore. The reason that happens is because the Holy Spirit now lives within us, and that new nature, that divine nature, is, uh, is taking over. One day, the Bible tells us that once we've been saved, uh, we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And the Bible tells us that now that we're saved, we're going to be, God's going to work on us. He's going to continue to change us. He's going to help us to grow in our knowledge of the Lord, of what the Lord wants, grow in our abilities to serve God, and uh, we're going to one day be conformed to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. 
Now that is a process. Salvation is an instantaneous thing. But this becoming like Christ is a process. It's a growing process. And just like uh, in the natural world, we, we were born into this world as a little child who could not do anything for themselves. They had to be fed. They had to be clean. They had to be diapered and all of that. But as they begin to grow and began to mature, they begin putting off some of those things. They begin to be able to take care of some of those things themselves. And they became more and more mature. That's what happens to us physically. We become more and more mature. Same thing happens spiritually. When a person gets saved, for example, somebody comes forward and gets saved here, or you lead somebody to the Lord out in the neighborhood or on the job or something like that, we cannot expect them to just instantly be a full-grown Christian. Have you noticed, if you've been in church any time at all, people make a decision, and I think it's a true decision. They truly trust Christ as Savior, but it takes them a while to get into church, to get into the habit of church. Maybe they'll get saved and maybe they, you won't see them again for a few weeks and they'll pop back into church and then a few weeks later they'll pop in again. It takes a while and then after a while they're coming fairly regular to Sundays but they haven't kicked into Sunday school yet or they're not involved in the midweek service yet and it takes a while for that growth to take place. Well, that's natural. Of course, the Lord, it'd be wonderful if the moment you got saved, you were a mature Christian. I know people have been saved for years and they're not mature Christians yet. I are one. All right. <laughs> yeah, there's some other hands raised. A lot of us, we're just not there yet. We've not arrived yet. But it's God's desire <clears throat> that we have that new nature. And that new nature takes over more and more and more. So we're going to look at Galatians chapter 5. And uh, I want us to uh, look there in, uh, let's, uh, let's just start in verse number 14, okay, and then we'll skip down. Verse number 14, for all the laws fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt, what's the next word? Love, Love thy neighbor as thyself. The uh, Pharisees and the scribes came to Jesus trying to trick him one day, and he said, what's the greatest law? And he said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and all thy soul, and all thy strength, and all thy mind. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. He said, Upon these two laws lay, hang, upon these two hang all the laws and the prophets. If you can fulfill this of loving God and loving your neighbor, then you can do the rest of it. If you, love, if you love God first, if you love God with every, all of your heart, you're going, to do, you're going to put Him first, you're going to obey Him, you're going to be uh, subservient to Him. And if you love your neighbor, you're not going to lie about him, you're not going to defraud him, you're not going to steal from him. And so God, Jesus said, these two laws. Now here, uh, He's talking about loving your neighbor. Now let's skip down a little bit and uh, look what it says, verse 22. And just for reference, verses 17 through 21 are the fruits of the flesh. It talks about all the different sins and murders and uncleanness and fornication and wrath and strife and heresies, and etc. But then in verse 22 it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, Against such there is no law. Now in this new nature that we're talking about, what happens is the Holy Spirit of God who lives in us begins to live through us. 
the Holy Spirit of God, who has now taken up residence in us, now begins to take over more and more of our characteristics. So we become more like Christ. We become more Christ-like, and people begin to see Christ in you, the hope of glory. People begin to say, hey, there's a difference there. The things you used to do, you don't do them anymore. The places you used to go, you don't go there anymore. Well, what happened to you? There's been a change, and the songwriter said, a great change since I've been born again. The Holy Spirit moves in, begins to change our nature. So we're talking about the new nature that the Lord gives us, and the first topic we're going to look at in this series is that first one. The fruit of the Spirit is love. So let's have a word of prayer, and we'll get into it. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you, Lord, for uh, what you've done in our lives already and what you want to do, what you intend to do in the future. Lord, none of us has arrived. Lord, we all have things to learn. and We all need the working of your Holy Spirit within us. Pray, God, that you'd right now clear our minds and clear our thoughts and everything, that we would just concentrate and allow your Holy Spirit to deal with our, our very soul tonight, that, Lord, you would grow us some even tonight as you intend to, and help us, Lord, to not only learn with our minds, but, Lord, to be doers of the Word and not hearers only. And we'll thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's, uh, let's turn, if you will, to uh, John chapter 13. John chapter 13. We're going to talk about love here a little bit. Love. Teenagers say it that way. Love. I love you. All right. Love. Talk about love. There's a lot of different definitions of love, aren't there? There's a world definition of love, Hollywood's definition of love. The songwriter's definition of love, the rock stars, their definition of love, all those different definitions of love, fleshly love. But yet the, the Bible tells us that there's a, a godly love. And that's the kind of love that God wants us to have. And this new nature that he brings upon us is to bring that type of love into our life that is the type of love that Jesus Christ had for you and I. Uh, one of the most well-known verses in the world, John 3.16, says, God so what? Loved. loved. He so loved the world. That kind of love that allowed him to sacrifice his only begotten son for our salvation. In John chapter 13, Jesus is speaking with his disciples. And this is right before uh, he's going to be uh, uh, taken and crucified. John chapter 13. And just look at a couple of verses here. Verse number uh, 14. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. Uh, for I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done unto you. And he says in the next verse, no servant is greater than his master and so forth. And as we come on down into uh, verse number 34. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye what? Love one another as I have loved you. Notice he didn't say as much as. We can never love as much as, but we can love in the same way as he has loved us. That ye also love one another. Verse 35. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. He says this is one of the things that can identify you as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's love. That you have love one for another. That you like to be with the, the brethren. And the Bible talks about love. It says we need to love God first and foremost. We need to love Christ. Uh, how do we know if we love Christ or not? Let's look over in chapter 15, verse number 12. 
Is that where I want to be? Yeah, chapter 15 and verse number 12. This is my commandment that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends if ye, what's the next word? Do whatsoever I command you. He said, you're my friends if you do what I ask you to do. And he says, uh, you need to follow me and obey me. Another verse of scripture uh, says that uh, if you love me, do what? Keep my commandments. So how do we know if a man loves Jesus Christ? The Bible says, if you love me, you'll obey me. You'll keep the commandments. You'll do what the Bible says. You'll put action to your love. Your, your love will show in your actions. And so he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now turn, if you will, over to 1 John. 1 John, over right before Revelation. You have 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Jude, and then Revelation. So 1st John. When you found 1st John, say amen. amen. Okay, and let's look in chapter 3. 1st John, chapter 3. Verse 1, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. What, boy, what oh, tremendous love God has bestowed upon us. Uh, verse number 11, For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Okay, we should love one another. Look in, in the same chapter, verse 14. We know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brother. And he said, this is, a, this is one of the ways we know that a person is saved. They love the brother and they, they enjoy being around other Christians. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death, the Bible says. Verse number 16, hereby we perceive or hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. So how do we know the love of God? How do we know God loves us? God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. We know God loves us because he proved it by sending his son. God commended his love toward us. He proved his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How do we know God loves us? We know because he proved it on the cross. He proved it by sending Jesus Christ. So hereby we perceive, perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. Notice, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. He's saying you need to love one another. You need to love the brethren. You need to love God. You need to love Christ. You need to love as Christ loved. You need to love like God. God proved his love, letting his only begotten son die on the cross for you. We need to be able to prove our love um, to, uh, for, for him. Uh, verse number 17, but whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother hath need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? You understand what it's saying there? When you look around and you see another Christian that has a need, and you could fill that need, but you don't, you turn your back on him. You say no, you just kind of stingy, a stingy gut. <laughs> and and you, you turn away from that need. The Bible says you don't have that love that I'm talking about. You need to have the kind of love that's willing to sacrifice. Here's a big word, sacrifice. A willing to give of ourselves. Love is giving. Love is not just, and this is important for all of us to understand, love is not just an emotion. Now when you first 
meet that beautiful young lady, there's a little sparkles go off and all of a sudden, you know, things are, wow, and there's some emotion that takes place. And I remember when I first uh, uh, met Judy, I had seen her across the campus. I had been, uh, it's my second college I'd gone to and it was my um, second semester. I'd been there a semester and she came in the second semester and I had seen her across the campus. She had that kind of uh, golden platinum hair that kind of stood out, and, and I saw her, and, and I hadn't met her yet, and so uh, school was just getting back into session, and, and I uh, was coming from basketball practice. I was on the basketball team, and I was coming with another guy, and I was walking backwards, dribbling the ball, talking, and my Judy, my, she wasn't my wife yet, but Judy had, uh, she'd been on a skiing trip the week before she came to Bible college. And so when she came to Bible college, she was in a cast from her hip down because she had twisted her knee clear around her foot was backwards and they had to fix that. So when she came, she had a, a cast from the hip down. She was in the snack bar. She was sitting there with a girlfriend and she had her leg out there on a chair in the aisle. I had a basketball, I was dribbling and I was walking backwards. You see where this is going. I knocked her leg off of that chair, which I'm sure I've been a pain to her ever since, but that's how we met. And uh, I only had about 40 cents, and back then you could buy ice cream sandwiches for a dime, and so I went over and bought each of them an ice cream sandwich and went over and sat with them, apologized and everything, and got to meet her. And, uh, and I'm telling you, this is the honest truth, I fell in love with her right then. I tell her, and I believe, I, I, was, I loved her since I was in about the third grade. I always had her in my mind or something. But when I saw her, I fell in love with her. And this is what happened. When we left there, I went with my friend heading back to the boys' dormitory. She left with her girlfriend on her crutches going to the girls' dormitory. And uh, she said to her girlfriend, she said, someday uh, that man, that guy's going to be my husband. This is the first night we met. And I told my friend, I said, I'm going, to make that, I'm going to make that girl my wife. It was love at first sight. We fell in love and we loved each other. And uh, that, was, uh, that was now, that was that mushy-gushy kind of love, you know, at the beginning. <laughs> That's an emotional love. Now, have I learned to love her more deeply since then? I hope so. And each of you could tell a similar story, maybe not knocking her leg off or anything, but you could tell a similar story how you met and there was an attraction there and that attraction built and pretty soon you were, in, you were engaged and you were married and you had children and that love and that understanding has widened and deepened. And so love does that, love grows. And so the Bible gives us a definition of love over in uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let's look at that. I told you this could be just a little bit different tonight, not so much uh, preachy, preachy. 1 Corinthians 13. Hereby we know the love of God, 1 John said. He says, love one another, love the brethren, love God, love Christ. We're told, of course, we're, still love the, we're to love the lost, aren't we? And uh, we're to even love our enemies. And we're going to talk about that here in a couple of moments. If you're in 1 Corinthians 13, say amen. amen. Okay, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 
Uh, we, hear, we, we read here about charity. The Bible calls it charity. Now, when you think of charity, you might think of the goodwill. You might think of uh, some, some uh, organization that you give to. Maybe you think of a hospital or something. And charity, you're giving, and you don't want anything in return. You just want to give uh, and be charitable. And that's what this word charity means. People say, well, it's love. This is more than love. This, let me give you a definition. This is a working love. This is a sacrificing love. This is the word charity. We see the word, the Greek word agape, this type of love, self-sacrificing love that God has for us. And he says, now charity, this active love, this working love, verse 4, suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. It's not puffed up. This true love, this active love, this godly love doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked. Doesn't say not provoked, not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. This kind of love, this godly love, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. A little further down, verse 13, And now abideth faith, hope, and charity. These three, but the greatest of these is what? Charity. That love, that abiding love, that, that working love, that sacrificing love is even greater than, than faith and hope. Uh, it, it's a love that lingers on above everything else. A, a woman was called and her son had been arrested. And he had been arrested for murder. And she said, oh, my son couldn't have done that. Couldn't have done that. And uh, she had faith in her son that he could never have murdered anybody. And he went to the tr she went to the trial, and she th sat through the trial, and the evidence was given, and she could tell he's guilty. Her faith was crushed, but she had hope. She had hope that maybe the judge would so show some lenience. Maybe uh, they'd uh, give him a lenient sentence. Maybe there were some circumstances. So he wouldn't go to the electric chair, but the judge's gavel came down and sentenced him to death by the electric chair. Her faith was crushed. Her hope was lost. But you know what she still had for her son? Love. Love never faileth. We can lose our faith. We can lose our hope. But we can't lose that love. This agape love, this, uh, over, this overflowing the love, this love uh, that is bubbling up from the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, if you love me, if you have that kind of love, you'll keep my commandments. The Bible says, by this, by this kind of love that is a sacrificing love for others, a love that says, you know, I'm going to go out, even though it's raining, I'm going to go out and do some door knocking. Even though it's, uh, I'm tired, I'm going to go to church. This kind of love that says, no matter what, I'm going to allow my love to, come, to, to push me. The love of Christ constraineth me, Paul said. To do what I'm doing. That kind of love. Now, the reason we can have that kind of love is not because we muster it up in ourselves. It's not of ourselves, but it has to be of the Holy Spirit of God. The new nature. Remember we talked about that new nature? The Bible tells us the fruit of the what? Spirit is love. The outcropping of this love in our life is going to be caused by the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit lives in us and we allow him to control us and we allow him to grow, if you will, within us and fill us, and then that, that outcropping, the fruit of that, one of the first fruits we'll see is love. 
love for Christ, love for the Bible, love for church, love for the brethren, love for the lost, that kind of love will begin to show up as an outcropping, a uh, a birthing, if you will, of the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. When you look in the uh, look outside in the mornings or in the evenings and you see the birds flying, you know why they fly? You know why birds fly? <laughs> you know why fish swim in the sea? Yeah, they can't walk either. They fly because it's their nature. That's their nature. And, and uh, fish swim because that's their nature. God made them that way. Exactly right. That's their nature. You know why you and I sin? That's our old nature, huh? But we have a new nature now. We've been saved. The Holy Spirit comes in, and now we have a new nature. There's a metamorphosis that takes place. How many of you know that word? You studied it when you were in third grade, probably, and you got little caterpillars, and you watched those little caterpillars crawl around, and they crawled around, and you put them in a little aquarium-type thing and some stems, and, and you watch those little caterpillars just crawling around, and eventually they found a place, and they began to spin their cocoon. Remember that? And they did that, and they, and they, they spun that cocoon, and after a certain amount of time, you watch, and they begin to break that cocoon open, and instead of a caterpillar coming out, instead of a worm coming out that was going to crawl around in there, what came out of there? Butterfly. Beautiful butterfly. Beautiful wings. And it came out and it took a little while to dry off and it took a little while to stretch its wings out and stuff. But once it did, man, you went out and your teacher let you let them all go. And there they, they float away. Beautiful butterflies. But at one time, just a little worm crawling around. Their old nature, that wormy nature is done away. And there's been a metamorphosis, been a change take place. And they became that beautiful butterfly. And that's what God wants to happen. And that's what is planned. And that is uh, what takes place with us. The old nature has passed away. God's given us a new nature. And he wants us now to reflect him, to be a beautiful picture of what he can do in a life. Now let's put some feet to it, so to speak. Love God. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God, all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy strength, and all thy mind. Here's a three-letter word that we're going to key on. How? How do we show that? How do we show our love to God? God showed his love to us by sending his son. He proved his love to us by sending his son to die for us. He proved his love for us by that sacrifice that, that great gift, the unspeakable gift that he's given us. How do we prove, show, commend our love toward God? Help me out. How do we do that? Do what? Okay. I'm sorry? Worship and believing, yes. What? Praying. Talking to him. Talking to him, yes. Keeping him first. Keeping him first, yeah. Leo. Obedience to him. Yes. I just think you're following the Ten Commandments. Following those commandments. So that's what he said. If you believe me, if you love me, keep my commandments. And not only that, but the love commandment, the new commandment. He said, my commandments are not grievous. It's not hard if you have the new nature. I was talking to a friend of mine. Uh, love him. He's a preacher and his oldest boy, uh, Grew up in a, a situation, uh, school and Christian school and stuff, and, and uh, he, he got upset about it being so strict and all the rules and stuff. 
And so when he got old enough, he left home and he left the church and he left the school and all of that behind. And he went and he got married to a Catholic gal and joined a Catholic church where, of course, the Catholic church has no rules, you know. <laughs> it's like from jumping from the frying pan into the, the fire. And uh, uh, that, that type of thing takes place. And people feel like, when they feel like the rules are all uh, binding and I can't do it, uh, the, the, lo the love of God is different than that. When you love God, you keep His commandments. His commandments are not grievous. It's not hard. You learn how to follow the leadership of the Lord. How do we prove our, life, our love to Jesus Christ? Just what we're talking about. We obey Him. We follow Him. How do we prove our love, here we go, to the brethren? How do we show our love to one another? Love each other. How? Raise your hand so not everybody talking. How do, how do, how do we show our love to the brethren, to one another? As Christ has loved us. Okay, and how do we do that? Charity, okay, yes. Kindness. Kindness, being kind one to another. It goes back to 1 Corinthians 13, yes. What? Okay, John 3.16, it tells us that God loves us, but how do we show our love to one another? Victoria. What? Take care, encourage. Encourage one another, yeah. Boy, that's important, isn't it? Don't you like being encouraged? Leo? Humbleness? Okay. Yes. Jim? Praying for one another. Yes. Serving one another and forgiving one another. These are parts of our love. Alan? Same thing? Yes. Carolyn? Tenderhearted. Those are things the Bible instructs us in, doesn't it? How do you prove your love for one another? Yes. Choosing to forgive, right. And uh, we're choosing to obey the Lord in these areas. So we begin to show our love to one another in different ways. Veronica shows her love to everybody by hugging everybody in church two or three times every service, you know. And we like it, so keep it up. And, uh, you know, being friendly to one another, uh, not talking bad. See, love has to do not only with what we do, but what we don't do as well. We don't backstab. We don't talk down to people. We don't undercut people uh, because we love them. And so our love for the brother, how do we show or how do we prove our love to the church? How do we show that we love God's church? Mike? What? Serving, giving. What else? Yes. Being faithful, just being here. Yes. Our tithes. Our tithes. Yes. Helping out. Helping out. All right. There's things to be done. There's lots to be done. With the staff all gone, everything's on Robert. So if anything needs to be done, let Robert do it all. No, we all need to help out. Yes. Very good. We hear, hear the teaching and preaching, and then we apply it, all right? And it's, that's showing some love, some love for things, okay? So how do, we, how do we show our love for the lost around us, for people that aren't saved? How do we show that we love them? Yes. Give them the gospel. Yes. Yes, sir. Give them the word of God, okay? We show our, our love for the lost. We want to give them the gospel. So how do we do that? 
it's easy to say, well, just give them the gospel, but how do we do that? A track. Carry tracks with you. Have them in your purse. Have them in your pocket. And it shows that you love them by showing, giving them the gospel. What else, Mary? Invite them to church. All right. How else do we get out there to the, the, gospel, the lost and let them know we love you? Raise your hand, please. Yes. Sharing your testimony. Sharing your testimony. All right, what? I didn't hear you say it again. Okay. That's right. Not everybody's heard about him. A lot of people have not even heard about Adam and Eve. And okay. Uh, well, I didn't understand everything you said. We're talking about reaching the lost. That's okay. You're doing fine. Okay, I see a hand up right there. Yes. Give him food. Okay. Some things you can do for unsaved people that shows we love them. Okay. Yes, hon. Praising God. Okay, and when somebody says something, praise the Lord. Okay, let them see that. Okay, so how, how do we prove or how do we show our love to our enemies? Do you have any enemies out there? Pray for them. Yeah. Bible said pray for them that despitefully use you. What else? Your enemies. Do you have anybody that's ever offended you? How do you show your love toward them? Be good to them. Okay. Well, it's not an eye for an eye, is it? Uh, now, Gandhi, of course, was in, in India and all that, uh, Hindu and stuff. Uh, he would have become a Christian, he said, if it hadn't been for Christians. Have you heard his testimony? He said he was, he was considering being a Christian. He read the Bible, and, but he didn't become a Christian because he watched Christians' lives, and it turned him against it. But he said, uh, not an eye for an eye. He says, if we live by an eye for an eye, the whole world would be blind. <laughs> so it's not, it's turning the other cheek sometimes. And what were you going to say, Sarah, about loving our enemies? Okay, not you. Yes. Forgive them. Forgive them. Let them know you forgive them. All right? They're your enemies. Uh, yes. All right. Sometimes you need to do that, talk it out with them. I went to a meeting a while back, and there was a man there that had offended me a number of years ago, and I've, uh, I've forgiven him, but I hadn't talked to him since then. And so I went up to him, and I said, hey, can I talk to you a minute? He said, sure. And I told him, I said, you know, uh, I just want you to know that I forgive you. I've already forgiven you for what happened back then. He put his arms around my neck and began to cry. He said, I'm so sorry. He said, I need to ask your forgiveness. I said, you don't need to ask my forgiveness. I told you I've already forgiven you. He said, well, I just want you to know that I'm sorry for what took place and so forth. And, and uh, we just need to let him know. We need to sometimes, and boy, that was a great release for him. And I believe for me, too, to be able to look him in the eye and say, hey, I just want you to know you're forgiven. And uh, we need to forgive our enemies. We need to let them know, and we need to speak up, and we need to, the lost need to hear from us that Jesus saves. They need to see it in our life. They need to see our walk. You wonder what I'm talking about here is L-O-V-E. If we love the Lord, we'll follow him. 
If we love the Lord, we'll serve him. If we love the church, we'll be in attendance. If we love souls, if we love the lost, we'll go out there and we'll knock on some doors. We'll hand out some tracts. We'll uh, give toward Community Sunday and so forth. We'll, we'll uh, go to the fair booth. We'll do whatever we can to get the gospel out there. If we love the souls in other countries, if we love missions and missionaries, we will give toward missions. We will go the extra mile. Here it is, love sacrifices. Love sacrifices. Are we willing to sacrifice our time? Are we willing to sacrifice of our, our talents? Are we willing to sacrifice of our treasure? Do we really love like we should? The Bible is very clear to say that once we get saved, the Holy Spirit moves in and he brings with him that new nature. And Jesus said, I want you to love as I have loved you. I want you to love one another as I have loved you. Not as much as we can't love as much as Christ loves, but we can love in the same way that we're willing to sacrifice. We're willing to give of ourselves charity. That whole chapter there, that whole section there in 1 uh, 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 Corinthians chapter 13 talks about that. Enthusiasm, the word enthusiasm mean God, means God in you. That love ought to enthuse us. Having God in us and knowing that there are others out there that need the Lord and there are others out there that need what we have, that ought to encourage us to uh, get out there and be enthused about telling others about Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us we grow in love, we walk in love, we labor in love, we're to have a pure love, the Bible says, and in Colossians 2 it says that we're to be knit together by this love. The Bible tells us uh, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, listen, it says, provoke one another to love and good works. We're to encourage one another to have that kind of love. We're to have, uh, prove our love to one another. We're to prove our love to uh, the pastor. We're to prove our love to the church. What I'm saying about this love is that this love that the Holy Spirit brings into our soul needs to begin sprouting out, needs to be showing in our life. The fruit of the Spirit, you know what fruit is? It's out there on the limb. You can see it. How many of you here have picked apples? Some of you, yeah, it's up here in the apple country, a lot of you. I've picked apples and peaches and pears and all that kind of stuff. I had to do that to keep just for a living for a while. And uh, when you go out there and you, you see that fruit, you'd always look for, look for trees that have a lot of fruit on them, you know, and you can fill your basket up quick. You watch for the fruit. Jesus came to the fig tree and he looked and he saw a fig tree. It had some leaves on it. And he went over that fig tree and there was no fruit. Remember what he did to that fig tree? He cursed it. They came back the next day and they said, look, that fig tree you cursed, it's withered up already. So he said, well, why did he curse that fig tree? He was giving us a picture. For us to have an outward showing that we're a Christian, but not really have any fruit from the Spirit, if we don't let the fruit show up, we're just fooling ourselves. Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. God wants us to have that love within us, that new nature, and let it sprout out, let it grow out so that others see Christ in us. They see that we love them. And if the people know that we love them, then they'll listen to the words we have for them. They'll listen to the gospel when they know that we are real. And that's one of the ways we show them we're real, by loving one another and loving them. Let's bow for prayer. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And as we close the message tonight, 
I want to ask you about loving one another. Do you love one another, the Christians here in the church? Do you have something against somebody you need to get straightened out? Maybe you need to have forgiveness. Maybe that bitterness is there and you need to overcome that. You need to go to them and say, hey, I've had something against you or I'm sorry I've offended you or whatever that case might be. Or maybe there's a neighbor that's not saved and you've not really shown them love. You could go and take them a pie or some cookies or case of water or something by that showing them that you care about them. Maybe there's somebody at work and you kind of have a grudge against them and they haven't seen Christ in you. They haven't seen that love. They need to see it. Stand with me as we pray. Everybody's heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And if you need to do business with the Lord, just slip down to the altar or find a place there and talk with the Lord about whatever he's talking about you, uh, talking to you about. Father, I pray that you give victory in our hearts, Lord, that we would become more like you. That, Lord, your love would shine through us, that your spirit would have his way in us, that we would obey the, the spirit of God. Pray, Father, that you'll do your work in our hearts in this invitation. But not only here, Lord, throughout this week, may we show Christ through our life. Help us to prove our love toward others. May they see the love of Christ in us, shed abroad in our hearts. We pray that it would bring forth fruit in other people. Pray for salvation of souls because of our love for you and stand for you and our love for them. Change our lives, Lord, by that new nature. Help us to grow in this area of love in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.